Will the future of Christmas dinners be meatless? They will if Patrick Brown, inventor of the Impossible Burger, has his way. And no, we're not talking about rubbery tofurkey or flavorless nut loaves. Patrick claims to have created fake chicken nuggets that taste better than the real thing. He says Impossible Foods can even make meat that doesn't exist. Anyone for a unicorn burger? In this episode of The Next Stage, Patrick talks about our meatless future, the environmental imperative to have a plant-based diet, and why he spends so much time trying to impress meat lovers. I want to tell those of you who don't know, uh, this is not some Johnny-come-lately Silicon Valley serial entrepreneur. This is a passionate person and a person with an incredible background. University of Chicago educated PhD and MD in pediatrics, Howard Hughes Medical Institute investigator, Stanford University biologist and scientist, and now founder and CEO of Impossible Foods. So what I want to ask you, Pat, is tell us about how you decided to start this company. And I know we could talk for hours about this, but just I'll try an abbreviated to keep it short. version. <laughs> yeah, how I decided. Well, um, I was a professor at Stanford and had no desire to leave this job. It was my dream job. And uh, I certainly didn't have any desire to start a food company. But when I uh, started looking into what are the biggest environmental threats in the world, what I realized is by far number one on the list and the most destructive technology in human history was the use of animals uh, as a food technology. And, um, and, and I realized the magnitude of the impact and the fact that no one was seriously trying to um, develop a technology to replace them. And I believed it was doable and incredibly urgent because it was the only way we're going to avert total collapse of biodiversity and uh, catastrophic climate change. So I left my job and founded Impossible Foods to solve the problem. And yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that environmental impact, Pat, because I know you're going to Glasgow pretty much right after this conversation, mm -hmm. and you had some slides that you'd like to show us that speak to the environmental impact of the food chain. Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll tr it's, it, it could be complicated, but I'll try to keep it simple. So um, when people talk about the uh, climate impact of animal agriculture, they are essentially always talking about, well, Animal agriculture is uh, responsible for about uh, 16 to 70, 17 percent of ongoing greenhouse gas emissions. That's a big deal. That's as big as the transportation industry. What they never talk about is the much bigger deal, which is that it's possible to reverse the climate impact of animal agriculture. You can't do that for fossil fuels. For fossil fuels, once you emit that carbon dioxide, you're not going to turn it back into coal. For animal agriculture, it's completely reversible. It's an amazing thing. The greenhouse gas emissions historically from animal agriculture account for about uh, a third of total greenhouse gases that are up there heating the planet. They were the carbon dioxide component of that all entirely came from the destruction of biomass on the land to clear it for livestock. That it re released into the atmosphere the equivalent of about 22 years of current fossil fuel emissions, okay, at the current rate. Turn that biomass into carbon dioxide. That is reversible because if we can eliminate the need for um, livestock and animal agriculture, that land 
is free to recover its biomass, to be reforested, and that would very rapidly pull 22 years worth of fossil fuel emissions out of the atmosphere. The other important components are methane and nitrous oxide, which are major greenhouse gases that are rarely considered. But the important thing about those gases is that unlike carbon dioxide, you know, the only way you can pull carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere is basically by photosynthesis, mm -hmm. uh, you know, plant growth. Methane decays spontaneously with a half-life of nine years. So if you switched off animal agriculture today, in 10 years, the decay of methane would offset eight years worth of fossil fuel emissions. And the same is true of nitrous oxide. So in this chart, where the hell is this thing? Over the other way. Okay. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, so the top curve there shows the trajectory we're on. That, that is really bad. And that's the way IPCC thinks things are going to go if we keep going on our current trajectory. The dashed line on the bottom shows the trajectory of climate change. And the y-axis is just basically the amount of heat that's being transferred to the planet. The, the, the dashed line is where we would be if over the next 15 years, which is Impossible's mission, animal agriculture were completely phased out. And you can see that um, what happens is that starting in 2030, we would have a 30-year peri period of net zero emissions because the negative emissions unlocked by eliminating animal agriculture would more than offset the fossil fuel emissions. And just to quickly explain it, the green sector represents the recovery of biomass and the carbon it pulls out of the atmosphere. And you can see it happens pretty quickly. And the purple and red represent methane and uh, nitrous oxide decay. And through the end of the 20th, uh, the 20, yeah, through the end of the 21st century, this, the negative emissions would offset more than two-thirds of ongoing greenhouse gas emissions through the end of the century, even if we did nothing else. And let's hope that we do something else, too. Next slide just quickly shows something about that. Yeah. Let's suppose that we could get to net zero emissions by 2050, okay? Again, the top curve is where we are in the trajectory we're on now. That blue sector shows what we avoid by getting rid of fossil fuels. And it's great. It's a lot. But, but, the, but the emissions, the overall um, greenhouse gas levels are still rising. The bottom curve shows what happens if we now uh, eliminate animal agriculture over 15 years. We get net negative emissions that actually drastically lower the amount of heating, which we need to do. Um, and it is basically almost as impactful as eliminating all fossil fuels um, emissions. You can see that the, the, the green, red, purple, and yellow sectors, which are what we get from eliminating animal agriculture, are pretty much as big as the, the blue sector. So this is why, you know, we have to succeed. Great, that's, that's awesome. And that's a preview, I guess, of what you're gonna be talking about in Glasgow, so we got a, a sneak peek. Yeah. Let me ask you about the company itself and how it's doing, what are the new products, where do things stand? First of all, it's been growing. I mean, more people eat Impossible Burgers and other products now than they did three or four years ago, right? How goes it? For sure, well, we, we were basically not selling anything four years ago, so um, yes, a lot more people are 
It's going great. I mean, you know, to achieve that mission, which we are absolutely going to do, we have to, on average, double in scale every year for the next 15 years. So that's a pretty hard task because it, it, we're not just, you know, growing bits. We're growing, you know, we're, we have to make atoms to, to make this work. And so um, scaling is a challenge, but we're, we're, we're on it. Um, and we also are going to be successively uh, releasing many additional products to compete against every sector of the animal ag industry as and also the global fishing industry. So, um, you know, we launched with uh, a ground beef product, um, which has been super successful, and, um, and that's because, you know, beef production is the most destructive part of the industry. Um, in the past couple of years, we've um, also launched a sausage product. We, in, in Asia, we recently launched ground pork, and just maybe a month ago, we launched our first chicken product, which is chicken nuggets. And ask me about the chicken nuggets, or ask me about those new products, or I'll just tell you, basically. Tell us, tell us about chicken nuggets. Okay, for us to succeed in this mission, okay, we can't just make something that's a pretty decent replica of an animal product. We have to make a, a product, this is entirely consumer driven. We have to make a product that is preferred by consumers in every way that matters. Mm -hmm. And that means less expensive, healthier, more sustainable, doesn't matter that much when people are buying meat, um, and uh, more delicious is the most important. That was the critical thing for our technology. More delicious is the hard part of, of replacing animal agriculture, and that's where we put all our research effort. So our ground pork, uh, which we recently launched in Hong Kong, we tested in Hong Kong with mainstream consumers, just um, a random sample of consumers, a couple of hundred of them, and a majority of them preferred the impossible ground pork to ground pork made from a pig, okay, in a blind taste test. Mm. The chicken nuggets we just launched in a blind taste test were decisively preferred over the best-selling animal-based chicken nuggets um, in the U.S. And, and here's an interesting one. So there's a show in the U.S. called America's Test Kitchen, which is sort of, I think, kind of for tech geeks and foodies, but um, where they just test recipes and stuff like that. Um, they tested a large sample of the chicken nuggets that are sold in the U.S. And one of them was the Impossible Nuggets. And by far the winner was, on taste alone, Impossible Nuggets. And the kicker was, the panel said they tasted more like chicken than the nuggets that were actually made from an animal. And wow. that's really important because we have to be not just as good, but better. And the chicken is not trying to be delicious and it's not capable. If you said, hey chicken, you need to taste more like a chicken, ain't gonna happen. But um, if, if our consumers say, hey, your nuggets taste to ta need to taste like more like a chicken, we can do that. And um, that's, that's how we're gonna win. There are other companies in this space, Pat, in particular, you know, beyond with burgers. And I wonder how you think about competing against a company like that. I don't wanna compete against them. I, I wish them nothing but success. And anyone else who is, um, trying to compete against the uh, animal-based food industry with plant-based products, I, I, you know, I wish them all the best of luck. We're competing against 
one competitor, and that is the animal-based food industry. I, you know, I have no interest in stealing customers from other plant-based products, and we're doing it. Like, if we, if we just focus on making products that are better than the strongest competition, the animal-based industry, you know, that's the job, and that's what we're doing. As I said, we've, we now have three products, more to come, that are preferred by consumers on taste alone over the animal-based product, and of course, they're much healthier and soon more affordable. At one point, you were talking about making steak. Is that still on the agenda? And can you really make a steak? Stay tuned. We're, we're, we're working on it. I've, uh, we've started working about a year and a half ago. Um, of course, we already figured out a lot of the flavor chemistry, but getting the steak texture is a, a new thing. And um, it's completely doable, okay? You don't have to take my word for it. You'll find out. But um, yes, we're, we're going to have a steak product, you know, not too far down the road. What do you say to critics, Pat, who say, well, you guys are trying to get rid of uh, animal products, that's great, but your process yourself is not necessarily environmentally friendly because it's, uh, the food is so processed. Is that a fair criticism or not? No, it's a complete, completely ridiculous. Um, first of all, the process has nothing, you were saying because it, it, there's energy involved in it or something? Energy oh. and just far from the farm, I guess, is kind well, of... Well, we, we do a life cycle analysis of all our products, okay, because like Believe it or not, we are a really emission-based company, and we're constantly trying to make our products better for consumers and the planet. So, you know, for example, our ground beef product uses 125th the land, less than an eighth the water, less than 10% the fertilizer and agrochemicals, and, um, you know, then the animal-based version. So the energy that goes into manufacturing it is negligible, it's negligible. The real, the, the climate impact of animal agriculture is all from the land use and the, um, and the emissions from animal agriculture. Um, so that's not a problem. And then of course, sometimes people say, well, your food is processed, it has too many ingredients and therefore it's not healthy. Well, why don't you look at how many ingredients are in the, are in the foods that are being served you know, in the next room or when you go to a restaurant, um, the whole history of food for humans involves using a combination of nature and science to make something that's more than the sum of the parts, picking particular ingredients um, from plants or animals or whatever, processing them by, you know, fermenting them or cooking them or grinding them, combining them, a chef combines them to make something that's more, more than the sum of the parts. That's all we do. We take simple ingredients uh, from plant sources or produced by fermentation and just combine them to make something that's more delicious than some of the parts. Someday you should look up the ingredient list in a cow, okay? And part of, one of those ingredients is E. coli, but, um, but you know, it's, it's made of thousands of chemicals. Mm. Let me ask you about uh, geography. Primarily in the United States, you just got approval for Australia and New Zealand just announced that today, I believe. What about Europe? You talk about Hong Kong. How does that unfold? Well, uh, in order for us to achieve our mission, again, um, obviously it involves um, selling our products in every country where, where meat is consumed uh, and just competing in that marketplace. So that's, that's been part of our, 
um, of course, has been from our strategy from year one. And um, yeah, we're steadily getting into new markets. Um, uh, everywhere we've launched, we've been successful. Um, the barrier to entering the UK and the EU is that we have a new ingredient that actually is the magic ingredient in our products. We discovered basically what the secret that makes meat flavor completely unlike anything from the plant world. It's a molecule called heme or proteins containing heme. It's what makes meat red. It's what heme is what carries oxygen in your blood, makes your blood red and so forth, your lips pink. And um, it's found in every living cell on earth, plant or animal. And um, just an amazing molecule. From, from a, it's responsible for what makes meat red, as I said, but, but more importantly, it is the chemical catalyst in animal muscle tissue that converts the simple, you know, ubiquitous molecules in cells, amino acids, sugars, fats, vitamins, stuff like that, through chemistry and cooking into this explosion of flavor and aroma that only happens when you cook meat. If you cook broccoli, it gets warmer and mushier. If you cook meat, you trigger this chemical explosion, basically. It's all catalyzed by heme. So we had to figure out a way to produce heme at scale as an ingredient. We do that by fermentation. And um, although it's found in every, actually it's found in spinach as well as meat. It's, you're consuming heme proteins all the time. No one has ever used it as an ingredient to make food. And when you do that, you need um, uh, you know, food safety authorities to review that. So they've done that in the US, the FDA, in the Canada FDA, Hong Kong, Singapore, UAE. Now um, Australia and New Zealand um, have approved it. And as soon as we get that clearance, which we will everywhere in the world because we, you know, it's abundantly clear this is totally safe, um, we launch. So we got the clearance five, five months ago in Australia and New Zealand. And Yesterday, we, we launched commercially there, and I'm sure it's going to be a huge success. Those are huge meat-eating countries, so exactly the place where we want to be. So I can infer, perhaps, that Europe is down Oh, the yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We've, we've already started the application process for the EU. We expect to be done in within maybe a year, or year and a half. And what about the future of the company, per se? It's a privately held. Um, you've done another raise or looking to raise more capital. What about an IPO at some point, Pat? Well, at some point, um, we will um, have an IPO, be a public company. Um, <clears throat> there's a bunch of reasons for wanting to do that. We're not, we're not in a hurry because we have great, great investors, long-term investors, hugely supportive of the company and the mission. So we're not driven by that. but. It's important to me, there are so many people who have a huge stake in our mission. I mean, basically everybody on Earth, but lots of people who know it. And um, we want to make our stock available, not just to the, you know, the billionaires and the huge investment funds and so forth, but to the millions of people who support our mission, they want to support it, and they want to have a share in our success. And, um, and that's really important to me. So. Um, like I said, it's, it's important for us to be a public company so it's more democratic and not, not just for the billionaires. Not that, you know, thank you, our investors. I love you very much. No disrespect intended there. As you can tell, this is a man on a mission. Please join me in thanking Pat Brown. Fascinating stuff, Pat. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Thanks for listening. And if you want to hear more about these topics firsthand, or you want to let us know what you want to hear, be sure to check us out on any of our social media accounts or visit websummit.com. That's websummit.com. In the meantime, be sure to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this episode, and we'll see you next week.